if a Democratic Party activist is dead bang guilty of a crime, where would he want the case against him to be tried? Well, hands down, it's Washington, D.C. Jurors there are overwhelmingly liberal and routinely treat Republicans as if they all belong in a leper colony. Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman is counting on that political bias to, uh, well, trump his dire legal reality. Special counsel John Durham has marshaled a compelling case that the defendant lied about his client when he peddled phony evidence to the FBI that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. But getting the jury to see beyond their partisan blinders Well, that will be a Herculean challenge for the prosecution. Even if the jurors do see it, will they follow the law? Don't count on it. The criminal trial opened on Monday in the D.C. federal court with jury selection. For Michael Sussman picking a favorably predisposed panel, that's like a rigged carnival game. Good luck, Durham. He's not battling a lame defense so much as he's fighting the phenomenon known as jury nullification, where 12 citizens perversely choose to ignore obvious guilt to acquit the accused. In the nation's capital, jurors have refused to convict people simply out of spite or their own prejudices. Jurors have the unfettered power to do as they please. And sometimes they do just that. This is precisely why the defense has asked the presiding judge to advise those good jurors that the defendant was working against Donald Trump. The Honorable Christopher Cooper, an Obama appointee, doesn't really need to say it in open court. Sussman's lead lawyer will make sure that it's drilled into their brains the moment he addresses the jury during opening statements. He may as well come out and say, if you hate Donald Trump, and I'm sure that all of you intelligent jurors do, then you must vote not guilty. That will be the not-so-subtle incendiary message being conveyed throughout the trial. You can count on it. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is the brief with Greg Jarrett. Watching the news, seeing the horrors around our nation and beyond, the suffering in Ukraine, those left behind in Afghanistan, and here at home, parents trying to feed their kids and fill their gas tanks. Well, I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our $28 trillion federal debt. If you want to protect your hard-earned money, your IRA, your 401k or savings, you can do that with physical gold and silver. Call now, 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767 and my friends at Gold Co. will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes and the uncertainty of this economy. 
Protect yourself and your family. Call 855-665-0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Unabashed fear and loathing of conservatives among Washington, D.C.'s 700,000-plus residents is endemic. Registered Republicans there, they're an endangered species. You'd have a better chance of spotting a unicorn. In the last presidential election, 92% voted for Joe Biden. A scant 5% cast ballots for Donald Trump, but I doubt they'd ever admit to it publicly. That would be heresy in D.C. You'd find yourself tethered to a post with a smoky scent of kindling wafting through the air. Durham had no choice but to try Sussman in the district since, well, that's where he allegedly committed the falsehood crime for which he is now on trial. The special counsel was forced to play the hand he was dealt, although it comes from the bottom of the deck. And sure enough, Democrats and Hillary Clinton supporters dominate the jury that was selected. Attempts to remove them for bias That was rejected by the judge. No surprise there. The U.S. District Court stands on Constitution Avenue, an irony if ever there was one. It's a walking distance from the Supreme Court, where atop the West Pediment, the following words are inscribed, equal justice under law. That may be a noble ambition, but in Washington, that's not the practice especially in politically animated cases. Justice is dispensed, according to your party bona fides. Advantage, Michael Sussman. If the defendant were tried in a neutral or fair venue, he'd be toast. Slap on the cuffs, send him off to the hooskow already. There's a plethora of evidence that Sussman lied to the FBI general counsel James Baker when he said that his bogus evidence of Trump Russia collusion was being handed over to the agency on behalf of no specific client. Michael was, you know, just being a really good citizen coming forward. Right. In fact, the lawyer's own records show that he billed the Clinton campaign and a technology company to carry out his nefarious plot to frame Trump for something he did not do. Sussman was even foolish enough to put his deceit in writing by sending a text message to Baker stating, quote, I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or a company, want to help the Bureau, end of quote. There are also handwritten notes from two FBI agents that confirm Sussman's lie. So what's his defense? Well, it's threefold. First, that even if Sussman lied, it wasn't his intent to lie. That's known as the whoops defense. Yeah, I didn't really mean to mislead or deceive the chief law enforcement agency in the U.S. You know, it was kind of an accidental lie, eh, just a clumsy mistake or a misstatement. Sorry about that. I, I sort of got confused and all tangled up. Defense number two, that the lie was not material, meaning important as the law and false statements requires. In other words, it's just an itty-bitty lie of no real consequence. Well, that's absurd to any reasonable person. Had Baker known 
that Sussman was working for Trump's political opponent, he would have recognized that it was nothing more than a political smear, which it was. Think about this. Enormous taxpayer money and resources, tens of millions of dollars, would not have been devoted to chasing a ghost. The third defense is equally ludicrous. Sussman claims the FBI recognized that he was indeed working for a political campaign and misleading the agency. So as his argument goes, since the recipient of the lie, the FBI, ultimately recognized that it was a lie, then it can't be considered a genuine lie. You got that? You'd have to be a contortionist in logic to accept that whopper. But the insanity of Sussman's defense is utterly irrelevant because to incite jury nullification, all he has to do is offer up an excuse. Any pretext is good enough, however implausible or goofy. And since the jury will be inclined to acquit, well, that's all it may take. In closing arguments, the defense attorney will argue that his client is the target of a politically motivated prosecution. He'll call it a witch hunt. Guaranteed. It's a breathtaking role reversal because it's manifest that Sussman was instrumental in getting the FBI to launch its own witch hunt of Donald Trump. But now his counsel will turn the tables by pretending that poor Michael is the innocent victim of Durham's witch hunt. That kind of argument demands a truckload of chutzpah. If Sussman skates, Hillary Clinton wins. And that is probably what the Clinton-friendly jury wants. Durham has spent three years uncovering a trove of ruinous evidence corroborating Hillary's machinations to vilify Trump, a scheme that I described in detail in my two books, The Russia Hoax and Witch Hunt. For example, declassified documents show that it was none other than Hillary who invented the hoax to distract from her own email scandal. She and her loyal lieutenants conjured up wholly fabricated stories of Russian collusion in that. They disseminated the fiction to the FBI and the Trump-hating media who spent years selling a despicable fiction while promising that it was all true. It was the greatest mass delusion in American political history and the worst case of media malpractice ever. The centerpiece of Hillary's con was the dossier. It was composed by the seedy Christopher Steele, who was being paid by the Clinton campaign. The ex-British spy pretended that his information came from reliable Kremlin insiders. In fact, most of it came from Hillary's lackeys. Charles Dolan Jr., Igor Danchenko, and his college pal Olga Kalinka, who fed it to Steele. The document that Steele produced with no attribution or substantiation was always a sick joke. Anyone with an ounce of intelligence who read it knew that. But unscrupulous morons in the media took it seriously, and they beat the hell out of the story to damage Trump. Notorious liars in the Democratic Party like Representative Adam Schiff perpetuated the farce with their own lies. 
The other part of the Hillary illicit scheme was the accusation that Trump maintained a covert back-channel communication with Vladimir Putin through the use of a computer server housed secretly in Trump Tower. This is where Michael Sussman, the defendant, played a greater role, although his dirty fingerprints are all over the dossier as well. Acting at the behest of the Clinton campaign, Sussman recruited computer researchers to mine protected data that was then manipulated to make it appear as if Trump was interacting with Alpha Bank, a Kremlin-connected financial institution. He wasn't, of course. It turns out that server was operated by a mass marketing email company that had nothing to do with Trump. Tech executive Rodney Jaffe, he's a witness in Sussman's trial, honchoed the exploited data to curry favor with Hillary in exchange for a promised cyber job in her forthcoming administration, and that's in his own email. Jaffe even bragged that he was trying to impress VIPs by helping Hillary. But his analytics were so obviously fake that even one of his own assigned researchers penned an email warning as follows. The only thing that drives us at this point is that we just do not like Trump. This will not fly in the eyes of public scrutiny. Folks, I'm afraid we have tunnel vision. End of email. You think? Sussman didn't care that the information he was handing over to the FBI was a disgraceful sham. That wasn't the point. The goal was to trigger an FBI counterintelligence investigation of Donald Trump so that Hillary's team could then leak that fact to the compliant media. In other words, the Bureau was just a political tool. During opening statements of the trial, the prosecutor said, Sussman told a lie that was designed to achieve a political end, a lie that was designed to inject the FBI into the presidential election. End of quote. Hillary's insidious intent was to create an October surprise, as the prosecutor explained it, to derail her adversary. And when you think about it, it worked like a charm. When the story broke, Hillary pumped it out on the internet just days before the 2016 election with a tweet attached to a published Slate article declaring, quote, it's time for Trump to answer serious questions about his ties to Russia, end of quote. Slate had been snookered. You can almost envision, can't you, Hillary popping champagne corks and cackling along with her minions saying, we did it. Those saps at the FBI and the gullible press swallowed our magnificent lie. I'm now destined for the Oval Office. Let's start measuring the drapes. But Hillary Clinton miscalculated the impact that her lie would have on voters. But more importantly, she misunderstood the breadth of her own unpopularity. She lost the presidency despite her malevolent deeds. Yet Hillary wasn't finished, not by a long shot. In an act of vengeance, she had her flunkies continue to push the collusion hoax to destroy her opponent when he took office. If she couldn't have the White House for herself, 
She was determined to drive Trump from it. Durham has described Hillary's chicanery as, quote, a joint venture with a host of others who were doing her bidding to mislead the FBI, not to mention the public, with false information. Now, that is clearly a crime. It's called conspiracy to defraud the government. But Clinton has never been charged, and sadly, she probably won't. How so? Because she was cunning enough to set up an information laundering operation to distance herself from her dirty tricksters through an elaborate chain of people. And unless somebody in that chain breaks ranks and implicates Hillary personally, she will never be held accountable under the law. But Hillary was also clever in using attorneys like Michael Sussman to carry out her schemes. Ever since the hoax was exposed, she's been hiding behind the attorney-client privilege in concealing all the incriminating evidence of her wrongdoing. But that privilege did not protect the many emails exchanged between lawyers and the odious opposition research firm known as Fusion GPS, run by the ever-sleazy Glenn Simpson. He's the guy who hired Christopher Steele and helped him craft the phony dossier. Simpson was also a key player in advancing that despicable Alpha Bank back-channel lie. He, too, should be criminally prosecuted. But so far, Simpson has managed to evade the jaws of justice. Judge Cooper seems determined to hide from the jury many of Clinton's corrupt acts. But to the extent that Sussman was directly involved, Durham will still be able to sketch the broad landscape of how Hillary perpetrated one of the dirtiest tricks in political history and got away with it. Just like she got away with her many email crimes, thanks to another contemptible toady by the name of James Comey, who also deceived the FISA court to spy on the Trump campaign. None of this may matter one whit inside that Washington, D.C. courtroom where jurors are prone to despise Donald Trump. In fact, they may view Michael Sussman as a hero, which he is decidedly not. The verdict may reflect that twisted sentiment. I'm not predicting that the defendant will walk in the face of damning evidence. But if I were a betting man, joining me now to talk about it is David Schoen, a well-respected civil liberties attorney and former counsel for President Trump. David, thanks for joining me on The Brief. Great to see you. You know, with a Washington, D.C. jury in, in a politically charged case, and, and this is certainly that, is John Durham facing an uphill battle here? Does he have to worry about jury nullification? The jurors will simply ignore the evidence in the law to acquit Michael Sussman because, as Sussman's lawyers say, he was against Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I think that will be their theme and it may well carry the day, unfortunately. You know, our justice system, it's at times a very precarious system and it is made up of people, uh, fortunately, and, you know, at times that's a, that's a risk. I think it's probably the toughest jurisdiction for Mr. Durham's case on these facts. But he had no choice, right? That's right. I think that's right. Okay. 
Um, let's dig into some of the evidence here because what was so striking to me is that, you know, Michael Sussman is a lawyer and yet he was foolish enough to put his lie in writing, the lie about who he was representing. He was, he was telling the FBI that he was working, he was not working for a specific client or a company when in fact, what Durham found out was he was billing the Clinton campaign and this, you know, tech guy, Rodney Jaffe, for his visit to the FBI where Sussman was peddling the phony information. So the question is, you know, was that a material lie as the law requires? What do you think? Yeah, you're 100% right. That's what it probably will turn on. But I do think it's material. I think I think it's explainable by, you know, human error that we see in a lot of these kinds of cases. People put things in writing they shouldn't. On the other hand, you know, I don't think it um, is a stretch of imagination to suggest that Sussman was not exactly the brains of the operation. I think this is, you know, part of a larger operation uh, run by uh, another lawyer uh, whose hands are all over, you know, all of these instances, who's been sanctioned by a couple of courts since then. And uh, I think that, you know, this was sloppy that he put in writing. I think they were all somewhat secure in the idea they wouldn't get caught. And after all, they were intoxicated by knowing that the media was on their side. You know, if Sussman has his dirty fingerprints all over the Alpha Bank scam, the dossier scam, then absolutely that other lawyer to which you refer, Mark Elias, uh, ha- has uh, 10 times the dirty fingerprints all over that stuff. And yet, how is it that, that Elias hasn't been prosecuted? It is shocking to me. It's one of the most unexplained phenomena in the law that I've seen in a long time. You know, it is, I've seen a couple pieces suggesting it's starting to catch up with him. He was sanctioned now by a couple of courts, including a judge, I believe in DC, DC or New York, no, New York, Judge Kaplan, um, made some pretty scathing comments about his approach on a redistricting case. Um, but, uh, you know, something happened at Perkins Coy that we don't really know all the details of yet. I actually was in a case uh, with him in Alabama. I represented the National Democratic Party, and he represents uh, Democratic National Committee. I've gotten my client dismissed from it now, but it was interesting. I don't think he has any idea who I am. Uh, uh, but, uh, but during the course of that, there was a change in counsel because of his uh, – departure, let's say, from Perkins Coy. And I was dealing with the Perkins Coy people at the time. So I sort of alluded to it, but I didn't get any straight answer. Yeah. I mean, and Elias is the guy who was funneling the Clinton campaign money to Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson, who was then using that money to pay for Christopher Steele, who was composing the completely uh, phony dossier. Uh, you know, how is that? And, and then, of course, the dossier is then fed to the FBI. How is that not a conspiracy to defraud the government? I, I don't understand it. I mean, listen, think of all of the damage that this stuff did. Tens, maybe more of millions of dollars. It sidelined an administration for years. Not uh, even Despite that, the administration still got a lot of things done. But it wasn't fair to the country. Can you imagine? Well, you don't have to imagine. You saw it. 
You wrote about it. And by the way, anybody who's interested in this really needs to read your two books because it lays it out in detail like a spy thriller. The only problem is it's hard to believe it's true, except that you wrote everything. Everything you wrote was true and you were prescient. You called the next step before it happened. But anyway, um, back to this. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I guess I do now because we see, you know, the media seems to drive things. And unless there's some real impetus with a party in pa- from a party in power to pursue something, it's not going to happen. It just happens now that Barr appointed Mr. Durham to be special counsel, so he stayed on. But you can be sure nothing like this would happen from this Justice Department. I, I, to me, Attorney General Garland has been such a disappointment. This guy, I actually thought he I had a case with him when he was a judge. I thought he was a fair judge. And all that. I'm afraid now he's just succumbing to the worst political instincts out there again. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it now. I'm handling the Bannon case. I mean, the idea he put out a press release in the Bannon case, it, it reflects the uh, principle of the equal application of the law. It's, it's ridiculous. The Department of Justice has said for six decades, we don't prosecute criminal contempt when executive privilege has been um, invoked. But I'm going too far afield for you. But it's, it's a question that, uh, that suggests to me that this Justice Department's going to awry. Were it not for Durham, we wouldn't even have this. And I'm oh, yeah. disappointed from the outside, at least, that Mr. Durham hasn't brought more hard-hitting charges. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and, you know, maybe his hands are, are being tied by Merrick Garland. We'll talk a little bit more about him a, a later on. But here's the defense, as I've been able to discern it from, from Michael Sussman in his trial. It's threefold. Um, I didn't mean or intend to lie. That's defense number one. I I didn't mean it. Number two, well, if it was a lie, it was just a teeny weeny itsy bitsy lie. So, you know, it's not material as the law requires. Number three, well, the FBI figured out that I was shilling for Hillary's campaign. So if they knew it, then how can that really be a genuine lie? Uh, I, I mean, to me, all of those are ridiculous to the point of being farcical. But if a Washington predisposed jury is looking for an excuse, any lame excuse to acquit, I mean, that'll do it, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm not a betting person, but I would bet on Sussman to win, not because of the evidence. I think the evidence from what we've seen publicly is clear that he was guilty of you know what he's charged with. But I think all of those defenses probably make sense. I mean, the first couple, it is a nonsensical defense to suggest that anyone would think it's not important that Hillary Clinton campaign was on the other right. end of the thing of all of all sources. The last one's an interesting thing because, you know, we had a very problematic uh, we had a, some very problematic folks in charge at the FBI. Question is, if they're acting on their own political agenda, is that really the FBI? But, you know, this is a real defense, potentially something like a public authority or entrapment by estoppel type defense or lack of materiality if it you know wouldn't have affected their uh, their investigation. But all of that is just, you know, like with a wink and a nod. I mean, in any rational world, from any objective standpoint, it would matter that this was being done for Hillary Clinton and that that was concealed and more than concealed. uh, It was denied. You know, the most frequent question I get from people who've read my books, and the first one came out in 2018, so, you know, we were talking five years ago, um, is how come Hillary hasn't been charged? 
Uh, you lay out all of the evidence in your book and the correlating crimes. Why hasn't she been charged? And, you know, I never have a good answer for it because I'm utterly bewildered and confounded by it. I mean, the evidence is incontrovertible, David, that that Hillary invented the lie. Uh, it's in declassified government documents. Uh, she approved a plan on a very specific date, July 26, 2016. Let's frame Donald Trump as a Russian asset. Yeah, it's a lie, but we're going to frame him anyway. Uh, and it'll distract from my own email scandal, which is really troublesome, according to the polls. And, you know, we can vilify Donald Trump, you know, as in Vladimir's uh, pocket. And the key part of the plan was Hillary getting her Confederates to sell it to the FBI to trigger an investigation of her opponent, and then they can leak the fact that the FBI is investigating Trump as a Russian spy, um, and, and that'll be the end of Donald Trump. I mean, again, as we mentioned, I, I think, you know, Mark Elias is, should have been charged with conspiracy to defraud the government, but, I mean, isn't what I just described a conspiracy to defraud the government, knowingly giving false information to the premier law enforcement agency in the United States. Yes, and with incredibly damage, damage done by it. I think the only fair answer and realistic answer is the complete and utter politicization, politicalization of the criminal justice system. And our country can't stand to have these institutions torn down like they are for partisan political gain. And if it happens to be that the media is on your side, then that's okay. Listen, you could ask the same question. How is it possible there was no prosecution in the Hillary Clinton destruction of emails? Um, you know, I, I have a client who was charged with destroying emails that were certainly less material than that. Um, and, uh, and by the way, Wilmer Hale uh, handled his trial in the case. That's, you know, Bob Mueller's firm. Right. So uh, I, there are so many questions that, you know, they really make anyone who wants to have faith in the system really take a step back. And uh, I think it's part of this same same tearing down of other important institutions that we're seeing. So either we're one day going to return to the idea, the principle of law, and that it matters and is applied equally, or we're not. And that, that's a big decision the country is going to have to make. I think it's your, you're right. It's partisan politics that takes precedent over the rule of law and justice. And, and it's tragic. What's also tragic is the role of the media in all of this. They were witting accessories to the conspiracy to frame Trump for three years, David. And, and you know, you and I have talked about this before. The media promised its readers and its viewers and its listeners the dossier. It's mostly true. And then they repeated, you know, Christopher Steele's claim that, and it came from reliable Kremlin sources. In fact, it came from Hillary's own lackeys, Igor Danchenko, Olga Galenka, Charles Dolan Jr. Um, none of it came from the Kremlin. And, and certainly none of it had anything to do with Trump or Russia. It was all Hillary. I mean, this was a monumental dirty trick, a hoax that created the greatest mass delusion in American political history, which right. was the it, subtitle of my second book. 
And Greg, uh, you, you, you've spelled it out and you continue to say it. You're one of only a few that really has called it straight all along. But the frustration you must feel as an expert on the subject to see that today there are still people and media sources trying to uphold the Steele dossier. Um, you know, look, we saw it with the Hunter Biden laptop business. Not only was the uh, were the true facts cast aside and denied, you saw Twitter banning the New York Post or anyone who referred to it when they broke the story. And now a couple of them, you know, a couple years later, uh, well, mea culpa, sort of, and we were misled. But how do you deal with this continued holding on to stories with the idea that, listen, if we say it, people will believe it. So let's just keep saying the Steele dossier was for real and this isn't Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, and what what is so incredible is that the New York Times and the Washington Post actually won Pulitzer Prizes <laughs> for getting the story wrong. <laughs> Not just wrong, but fundamentally and terribly wrong. And they have never, the, the media at large, and that includes CNN and MSNBC and some of the other online publications, they, they never apologized for it. There was, there was no mea culpa. Um, there was no sincere, sorry, we were wrong from any of them. That's I right. mean, that's just disgrace. Their statue was dragged down to the level of the Nobel Prize Committee. at this point. I know. You know, um, there's something fundamentally wrong, and I've always believed this since this story, you know, first broke. There's something wrong when a foreigner, Christopher Steele, can just make up stories wholesale about a presidential candidate in the United States, no corroboration, and then give it to the American media that just accepts it as truth and publishes it with no vetting or investigation or substantiation of any of it. And then it, you know, Christopher Steele held a presidency and a nation hostage for three long years. One individual, that's really all it took. Yeah, there were other people who were conspiring and colluding with him to do it. But all it took was one British guy without principles, uh, without scruples, to hold another nation hostage. Yeah, and it was a coalescing of forces. He met uh, a, a friendly prosecutor who wrote the book on lack of scruples and lack of ethics in Andrew Weissman, uh, who yeah. could drive on that front. And he met a media filled with so-called journalists who loved the story, wanted it to be true in the worst way, and ran with it because it would have an effect. Listen, we see it with the January 6th commission, all that. It doesn't matter if Anything they say or do is fact-based. It's a campaign tool now. So they're going to take their dog and pony show on the road and put out their propaganda. In in the real world, would anyone suggest that if you want to investigate a set of events, you would put someone like Chairman Thompson as a head of it who had a lawsuit against Donald Trump alleging the exact facts that he's supposed to be investigating now, already concluding that Trump was uh, culpable for it and that he was personally injured? Would you have Schiff and Raskin on the committee who've written books about it, have an interest now in proving that the committee's conclusions jibe with their book? That's not how the real world operates. But when it's on that side of things, and that's the agenda, it's okay, because you might come out with the desired result. So Hillary has skated on uh, any charge for conspiracy to defraud the government. James Comey for lying to the FISA court uh, to spy on the Trump campaign. He gets to skate. Um, But 
but at the top the top five villains in all of this, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS. Uh, I mean, this guy is the sleaziest of sleazeballs. Uh, he is the one who hired Christopher Steele. He was the lead person, Simpson, in peddling the lies to members of the media, uh, both the dossier and the Alpha Bank canards. Uh, and, you know, as I reported in my books, uh, he lied to Congress the first time around, and then he wised up and clammed up and took the fifth. Uh, and then after his lies were exposed, he writes a book doubling down on the lie that Trump is a Russian asset and that, yeah, everything in the dossier is true. And he, he pockets an incredible amount of money from idiots out there who bought his book. For the life of me, I can't figure out how he has managed to escape prosecution and conviction, if for nothing else than lying to Congress. What yep. do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I also have to put in that league then, if you want to talk top five or top 10, the folks who went to the FISA court and abused it and weren't open, weren't honest and broke the rules. You know, in, in our line of work, I mean, your old line of work, my line of work, um, your word matters and representations to a court and of course the most secretive court, most intrusive remedies in the country to lie and not be open, honest and meet your obligations. They deserve a lot of the... Uh, blame in this case also. Yeah. And the people who, who signed off on yep. those deceptive line uh, FISA warrants were James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and Rod Rosenstein, yeah. <laughs> of all people. I mean, it, it's it's incredible to me. Another person who, who lied so much during all of this is Adam Schiff. <laughs> and, you know, I recounted it, his lies in details in, in my books, in my columns, and, and yet the people in California keep electing Adam Schiff time and time and again. Nancy Pelosi continues to put him in charge of the most important congressional committees. I mean, it, it really is a testament to just how corrupt Congress has become, right? It is, but it's also, I think, that people have really been misled by the media. They don't want to hear about uh, Schiff. I mean, th this guy is just a disgrace, but I put a number of them in that camp. Nadler. I mean, they're just not honest brokers. They keep bringing the same people in to be their so-called investigators, people who are biased. We, we, we have a Congress on that side, at least, that has foregone conclusions before uh, their work begins, and they just put it out in the media, and the media is just glad to report it. I really don't recall it being this bad in terms of uh, media agenda. I bought into all those things when I was younger, the mottos that the Times used and the Washington Post used. And, uh, you know, they're, they're so far removed from the truth now, it's, uh, it's despicable. But I'm afraid yeah. we're going to lose faith again in the system when we see how this Sussman thing plays out. But we'll see. It's giving you know, it a I, shot. I, I never bought into that whole yeah. Congress, <laughs> you know, honorable and all that nonsense. I was, uh, I was a college intern uh, working for the better part of a year up on Capitol Hill back in 1975. And I came home, my father says, so what do you think? And I said, well, I think that's the biggest collection of idiots and morons all gathered in one place. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> so I never bought into it. And they, they've only proved me correct over the last you know, yeah. 40 some odd years. Final question, back to Merrick Garland. Um, whether 
Michael Sussman is convicted or not, uh, John Durham, the special counsel, is required under the U.S. Code to complete a report on all of his findings, to essentially lay out the story. Since Bob Mueller's report was largely made public, won't Merrick Garland, the attorney general, be obligated to make Durham's report public? I mean, I can't see him getting away with burying it. Can you? Uh, Yeah, I can see him getting away with it because, again, there won't (laughs) be the media pressure to do it. And it partly depends on what Durham found. If Durham only has sort of mild findings, then he might, you know, be a big sport and uh, go public with the report. But if it really lays out uh, and it, it blame at Hillary Clinton's feet and Mark Elias and so on, but because of statute of limitations problems or something like that, they couldn't bring the cases, I think it's less likely it'll all become public and they'll have some excuse for it. Uh, if Republicans regain control of Congress, they could demand that Merrick Garland hand it over. They could issue a congressional subpoena to hand it over. Garland would then fight it. It'd end up in the courts. And, you know, you and I would die of old age by the time anybody (laughs) ever resolves it. So, uh, David Schoen, uh, thank you so much. Uh, It's not the first time we've talked about this subject. You're very knowledgeable. Uh, David Schoen, former uh, attorney for President Donald Trump and a veteran civil liberties attorney. Thanks for being on The Brief. Thanks so much. Great honor always. And that is The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.